Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. We are in part four of a series called Greater Than. This is what we call our summer Bible series. We, we started this just a few weeks ago. We, we like to do this every year, is take a book of the Bible, particularly a book of the New Testament if we can, and just kind of walk through it. Now, I don't go necessarily totally verse by verse, but it's, it's a little bit close. It's more idea by idea. And, and we've been walking through this book called Colossians. And if, you, if you're not somebody who studies the Bible or reads the Bible, I want to encourage you, start reading your Bible. It is the most incredible book this planet has ever seen. It is, it is beautiful. It's amazing. It's incredible. Man, there's, if you ever think about it like this, man, the Bible has everything for everybody. Man, there's certain things in there. Like if you're into poetry, which many of us are not. But man, there's, there's some of the most beautiful poetry in all the world. There's all this crazy storytelling because most of you guys like drama when you think about what do you what do you spend your time watching you watch drama the bible is full of drama it's full of craziness it's full of just and again you have all kinds of different genres of, of of literature stuck in this one book and this is what we would call an epistle it was a letter that somebody wrote so the apostle paul was um was this theologian this christ follower he was this missionary and what he would do is is he would occasionally write a letter to a church to kind of give them some help or instruction or challenge or whatever it was. And this is the story of Colossians. Paul is in prison, which he found himself in more than one occasion in prison. And the reason why he was in prison is because Rome didn't like that he was uh, advancing the Jesus movement. And so they stuck him in a, in a prison cell. Well, this guy who's a pastor in the city of Coloss, he decides to go visit Paul because back home in the church, the church is getting crazy. So he goes to visit Paul and he's like, look, my church is tripping. Will you please help them? Because if you would encourage them and write something to them, I I think it'd just mean a lot to them. And so he writes this letter to the church of Coloss, which is why we call it Colossians. So it's just a letter. So when you read the Bible, many times it's confusing when you first open up the book and you're like, I don't know where to go. And who are all these people? And they all have weird names and I don't get it. And so so if if you'll slow yourself down and take it off in chunks and realize that it's not one book, it's a bunch of books put together. Over 40 different authors sharing their experience and their understanding and their revelation of who God is. But in this book, the Apostle Paul starts on this journey and he starts off with this idea of, let me pray for you. Like, I'm about to like teach you and challenge you and share with you all this stuff, but, but, let me, but you just know this. I'm your brother in Christ. I love you. We're together. There is more that binds us together than separates us. I am with you. Let me pray for you. And then by the end of chapter one, he has this incredible poem or this tiny little poem, really just a few verses where he gives them just a really incredible picture of who God is. And so in, in the part two, we talked about this. Let me, let me tell you about God. Because how you see God, how you understand God, it is the thing that creates a ripple effect into every other component of your life. That if that's messed up, everything else will be flawed somewhere down the line. Just trust trust me, you've got to get um, the best possible picture of God. And the best way to do that is you don't put your definition of God on God. You let God speak for himself. You let God tell you who he is and then, and then interpret yourself, interpret life in light of that. Number three was this is what we talked about last week. Let me protect you because what they were dealing with as a church is not unlike what we are dealing with. It's, nothing's changed. Or Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing has changed. They had Greek gods uh, for sex and money and power. And we just don't call them by that. But we still have idolatry when it comes to sex, money. And power, and we still have all the same issues that they had. We just call them different names. He goes, let me protect you from that. And then here's the other thing I need to protect you too, by the way, is don't get so religious that you get caught up in all the weird details and miss the point. 
And so he says, let me protect you from like idolatry and paganism and all these weird things, but let me protect you from being so religious that you miss Jesus. And today, last part, and we won't cover the whole book, but today he really sets this new tone. Let me challenge you. And what he does in this next few verses, really what we would call just chapter three, even though when he wrote it, he did not have chapter, he did not have verse. He just started writing. But what we call chapter three, he has this incredible moment where he challenges you to see everything differently. Now, some of you grew up in church, and so what I'm going to share with you, you might say, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard something like that before. I want you to do your best today to try to hear this and see this as if you've never heard it before. Because when Paul says this, I think this is awesome. As a matter of fact, Paul is about to sound more like a mystic than a lawyer. I mean, he's about to share with you how to like experience God, how to see yourself, and how to dive into this thing called Christianity. Like, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Have you ever thought about this? I don't know what your story is like, but I talk to people all the time about what was it like when you first started following Jesus? And some people have these incredible stories of immediate life change. Other people have this slow kind of progressive step-by-step like little things started to come together. And some people talk about it in such an experiential way with emotion and feeling and stuff that happened. And other people are like, no, I just made little logical steps towards God until finally I was like, yeah, I, I want to trust God with my life. And so everybody's story is a little bit different. But I think you're going to all cross a threshold. And this is the threshold that I think you want to cross. It's this way of living this entirely new life in Christ. And the way that Paul says it is amazing. So let's dive into the scripture. Here we're going to go big giant Bible study today. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 says this. Since then you have been raised with Christ. So he's talking about now you're a Christ follower. This is what we're talking about today. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. Everybody say, everybody say died. Now, in my logical right brain self, I'm sitting there thinking, um, I'm still here. I did not die. I'm still alive. But Paul's saying, no, 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 you died. Which means, again, get out of your right brain and get into your experience. Get into something deeper here. He's saying, you died. Something happened inside of you when you came to Christ. And you, some of you felt it. And you describe it in all these crazy experiences. Some of you didn't feel a thing when you became a Christian. You're like, I I feel nothing. And nothing's different. But he's saying, something happened in you. You died. Now, that sounds a little bit strange. Again, I want you to hear this for the very first time, if this sounds a little bit familiar. She said, for you died, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I want you to change the way that you see yourself. You, especially that old you, that pre-Jesus you, your BC days before Christ, that died. And now you have this new life that is actually hidden with Christ In God. Again, it sounds more like a mystic than a lawyer. He's not arguing points. He's trying to get you to change the way that you see everything. Now watch what he does next here. The next thing he says is in verse 5, he says, put to death. Now that sounds a bit extreme. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your your earth. Everybody say earthly nature. So what he's saying is, is that the way that you were born into this world... The way that you lived your life before Christ, that's your earthly nature. Now, he's going to define that in just a second. But he says that earthly nature, the way that you were born, raised, learned how to live life away from Christ or outside of Christ. He goes, I need you to kill that thing. I need you to put it 
to death. It needs it. So, so wait a minute. I thought you said I already died. Because it's like literally like two verses before you said I died. So if I'm dead, why do I need to go put it to death? That's like beating up a corpse. This makes no sense. Get out of your right brain. Get into what he's saying. He's saying something happened in you when you began to follow Jesus. Something died within you. But, everybody say but. You need to live the rest of your life pursuing something new. But to do that, you'll have to put to death something old. Something in your earthly nature. Now, a couple observations about putting things to death. This is what I found about putting things to death. Sometimes it's hard to kill things. You ever notice that? You ever had like that spider? It's freaking you out. Won't die. You ever try to kill a roach? Those things could survive a nuclear winter. Some things are hard to kill. It feels like I smashed that thing and then he's still crawling. He's still moving. You got them beady little eyes. Some things, they're just hard to kill. Observation. Your old life. There are certain aspects of it that are really hard to kill. If you if you'll think about your own life, what you'll learn is this or think about it is this. When I came to Christ, man, it was so easy to let go of some things. It was so easy to quit doing some things. But man, some things, they just won't die. Some urges within me, some addictions within me, some things that I really, really like, some things I don't want to give up. Those things are hard to kill. Second observation, your old self will fight to stay alive. You ever tried to, if you ever think about this, When you think about the animal kingdom, when you try to go kill something, it doesn't just say, you know what, you're right. I'm just going to give up and quit. You go ahead and kill me. No, they're like little animals trapped in the corner. And what do they do? They get feisty. They get angry. They start start fighting back. If you ever watch National Geographic, which there's only one aspect of National Geographic that's worth watching, and that's when animals are trying to kill other animals. Right? Is that just me? Am I the only one? But bless God, if you find, you ever seen like the, the one where the alligator tries to kill the little antelope and then the other ones come or the, uh, the buffalo thing and then the other buffaloes come along or, or the lions do. I've seen this with the lions where they, they try to take down a, a, a buffalo thing. And then like the little one, he's getting beat up. And then all of a sudden his little, his herd comes back to save his life. And you would think that little guy is dead. He keeps fighting to stay alive. There's something within life that wants to remain alive. <laughs> There's something of, so I, my point is this, your old self is not going down without a fight. Your old self, that earthly nature, that sinful nature, it is not going out easily. It's not going to say, you know what? Jesus is better. You're right. I would like to surrender my life. No, no, no. That earthly nature will fight to stay alive. And the last thought is this, is when you finally kill it, you might actually mourn. Again, I'm just making some observations here. This one time, I accidentally killed a chipmunk. Um, Okay, y'all need to hear the story before you pass judgment on your pastor. Doggone. Let me get through the story, people. Okay, so I'm like eight or seven. I'm a really little kid. And I found a chipmunk in the backyard, and I was able to kind of capture him, and I was like playing with him. And I didn't know that I was playing too rough. And I accidentally like injured him so badly and when I, I brought it to my dad my dad was like well you son that that thing's suffering you have you have to kill it because it's just suffering now so you have to put it out of its misery and i'm like i don't want to kill it and so i but I, but I had to and so i buried him and i had a little funeral had a little, had a little funeral a little chipmunk funeral we don't have a lot of chipmunks here in california they're really cute little critters though um so i had a, I had a chipmunk funeral why I was, I was like you know what i accidentally killed a little chipmunk Little Chippendale, whatever it is. And 
and I had a funeral. I, had a mor- I mourned. I, I think I shed a little, a little kid tear. And my point in telling you that is like sometimes you kill things and you'll mourn for them. Like there's a certain miss, uh, sense of like I miss it or sadness or, or whatever. If you kill your old life like Paul tells you to do, many of you will miss it. You'll be a little sad. Sometimes you'll reminisce about it and think, oh, the good old days. Oh, if I could go back. Oh, if I could do whatever. As a matter of fact, if you ever listen to people, I've done this before. You get around some people that maybe have been walking with Christ for 10, 20, 30 years or whatever. Every once in a while, they'll slip back into like talking about their past before Jesus. And, and when you mourn, do you ever notice that at a funeral when you mourn, you no, normally only think of the good times? And you'll do that. You'll start thinking about, ah, oh, before G, oh, remember when we were, oh, remember, oh, remember when we were, yeah, yeah. And you're only remembering the good times. You're forgetting what sin did to you and how destructive it was in your life. And so if, if you finally do kill that old life of yours, be careful. You might actually mourn for it. Let's keep reading again. Paul is talking about this idea of put to death your earthly nature. Look, look at this though. Then he defines it. This is what your earthly nature is all about. Um, sexual immorality. There's an urge for that. Impurity, lust, evil desires. Greed, which is idolatry, by the way. That's something to think about for a minute. How is greed idolatry? Dive into that and let God speak to you. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. And so what he's talking about is this, that there's an earthly nature to you. You've got to remember you were born kind of as a sinful little human being and you learn to sin at an early age. That's why you don't have to teach kids to lie. They naturally do it. And so, and your whole, and you got to think about this, out of the 6,000 years of human uh, recorded existence, you can see that like there's a genetic code of sinfulness that just keeps, we, we, we sin and then we pass it along and we sin and we pass it along. And there's this really weird scripture that talks about how like the sins of the fathers are passed along to the children to the third and the fourth generation. You have to think, okay, so there's somehow that sin is, there's an earthly nature to me that desires some of these evil things. It's almost built into my genetic code because of generation after generation of sinfulness. And there's a bunch, there's a bunch of bad stuff. So this is his sin list. By the way, there's another one coming. Brace yourself. Verse number seven, so he says this, he says, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. So think about it. This He's talking about put to death your earthly nature and put to death the life that you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of these things. So he makes another sin list. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. And so he does this thing where he, he basically starts talking about how like there's some stuff that you need to kill. There's some stuff that you need to, to put to death. These things have got to go. As a matter of fact, Jesus has the same ideas. I want you to think about this. Think about when Jesus says these words where he goes, if you want to be my disciple, I need you to carry your cross daily. I need you to deny yourself and carry your cross daily. What did that mean to those people? Jesus hadn't died yet, but they were used to seeing Rome punish the heck out of people. They knew that if you were carrying a cross, it was because you were marching it to the place of your execution. And Jesus is saying, if you want to actually be my disciple, there is something in you that will have to die. It's just imagery here. The Apostle Paul, when he talks to the book or to the people of Galatia in that book, he actually says it like this. He goes, for I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me now. And so again, I need you to see the world a whole different way. When you come to Christ, you need to know this. This is Paul saying, I'm going to challenge you. This will not be easy. Something in you needs to die if you truly want to experience life. And these are the sins. And so anyway, if you ever wanted to know what sin is, sin, and there's a few different words throughout scripture where they talk about sin. Sin is anything that misses the mark. Like that's literally the Greek word that they would have used the majority of the time when they talked about sin. It literally just means it missed the mark. 
There was something off. There was something wrong. There was, I'll tell you what it misses. It misses the mark of God's holiness. Like God is holy and anything that's not holy like he is holy is somehow missing the mark. There are certain things when, when Paul gave this list, you just saw it. Like idolatry is missing the mark. Greed is missing the mark. Sexual immorality is missing the mark. It misses the mark of his holiness. Here's the other thing it misses. It misses your blessing. Like you need to know this, that God does not have an arbitrary list of sins just to see if you're good or not. That's ridiculous. The only thing that makes a sin sin is that it's harmful. You have to see all sin is this. All, if you're a parent, you get, you get my idea here. When you're a parent, you prevent your kids from doing stuff that you know will harm them. That's all sin is. It's a good father being a good father and preventing his kids from making a wreck of their life. So he says, hey, because you, you do this with your kids all the time. Hey, do the, these things. They'll bless your life. Don't do these things. They'll hurt you. If you go look at everything that's ever mentioned as a sin in scripture, what you'll find is this. It hurts somebody. It either hurts you or hurts someone around you. And God's saying, man, I love you. I'm trying to set you up for the most blessed and abundant life possible. And I'm telling you that all these sins that you have, this isn't some arbitrary list to see if you're good or not. We already know you're not. That's why Jesus died. He, the Bible says that Christ died before the foundations of the world. Think about that. He knew you would miss it. But if you would walk with him, you would, but you've got to put to death. Something in you has to die. He goes and he adds to this. He goes, so don't lie to one another. I mean, we just put that on the list too. Since you have taken off your what? Your old self. This is verse number nine. You've taken off your old self. It's because there's a way you once lived. There's your earthly nature. There's this old self. There's something in you here that needs to die. Now, watch what he does now. Verse number 10 says this. And have put on the, the new self. Everybody say new self. This isn't all bad. Wait a minute. So there's death, but then there's resurrection. There's something in me needs to die, but something within me needs to come alive. There's an old self, but bless God, there is a, a new self. And this new self is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And so this is this idea of there's a new you, a new life, there's resurrection. So when you come to Christ, whether you felt it or not, something died. But then he adds to it and he says, now something died, but you got to keep putting other things to death. And you have to keep putting on this new self. That's what it looks like to follow Christ. As a matter of fact, let me think of it like this. These are present progressive terms, right? Put to death. That's daily. Remember Jesus said, carry your cross daily. Put, put to death all those things in you that need to die. That's present progressive terms, meaning like that's ongoing. And you have to keep killing and keep renewing. So when he says put on this new life, that's not something that you do once. Like we all have clothes on, praise the Lord, right? You don't do that once. You do it every day. Oh, I hope you do. If you want to function in society, you do. You got, you got to put on clothes every day. This is present progressive terms. Everything that I'm talking about doing is something that you have to intentionally do on a daily basis. I, I need you to know this because I'm going to confess to you as your pastor. I'm a prideful and selfish human being. And I have to fight that every day. I have to fight the urge to do what I want, when I want, how I want, just because I want it. I have to fight that every single day. I have to pry, fight pride in me every day that, that, that wants to, to, me to elevate myself above other. I have to fight that every day. And, and, and here's the other thing too. It's not just enough to kill one thing. Then you're just kind of this 
limp corpse. You know, you, you've got to actually put on a new life. So every morning I have to choose Todd, choose generosity, choose kindness, choose sacrifice, choose. You have to choose these things. They're ongoing. They're, they're present progressive. You've got to keep on doing these things. Now, watch what he does here. This is good. Verse number 11 says this. He goes, here, in this new life, here, there is no Gentile or Jew. There's no circumcised or uncircumcised. There's no barbarian or whatever that word is. There's no slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. He does something incredible, and he challenges the heck out of these people. These people, I don't know if you've ever, if you've, ever you've probably never faced this or not. You, it's not in our culture, certainly. These people faced isms. Like, this is racism. Like, Jew or Gentile? We're talking about race relations. We're talking about religious boundaries, too. He's talking about circumcised or uncircumcised. We're talking about religious boundaries. We're talking about racial boundaries. This barbarian and this other, this one just means the same as barbarian. I'm not sure why he does that. As a matter of fact, he wrote the same thing in the book of Ephesians. He goes, look, in Christ, there's no Greek nor Jew. There's no slave nor free. There's no male nor free. We are all one in Christ Jesus. What he's doing is, is he's challenging the way that you look at people. He goes, in here... In this new life where you died to greed and selfishness and pride and ego, where you died, that stuff's gone. And in this new life, no, no, we're destroying all these barriers that create problems between human beings. You cannot be a Christ follower and be a racist. They are mutually exclusive ideas. They cannot coexist. What it proves is there's something in you that needs to die. If you ever look at another human being and think because they're blank, you're better than them or they're less than you, something in you needs to die. He deals with classism. Look, if you look at poor people or if you look at rich people and there's, a, there's an animosity towards you, something in you needs to die. If there is a race that you look, like, look at and you don't like them for one particular reason or another, you need to know there is something in you. It is not of Christ and it needs to be annihilated. In here... There is none of this, is what the Apostle Paul says. I told you he's going to challenge you. This is, not, this is not my best Joel Osteen sermon. This is just what Paul said. Deal with it. You don't email him if you want. So, what, what, what he's ultimately saying is this. Because watch what he does here. He goes, there's no Gentile or Jew or circumcised. He goes through all this stuff. Watch where he goes next. Verse 12 says this. Therefore, as God's chosen holy people, or chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourself. We did that this morning. Clothe, we, put, we, we intentionally went into the closet. Some people gave more thought than others, but we intentionally went into a closet or to a drawer, and we purposely picked out things. Maybe they match, maybe they don't. And we purposely put them on. Did you, have you ever gotten out of the shower and then be like, oh my gosh, how did these clothes get on me? Where do these clothes come from? How did that happen? You have never accidentally clothed yourself. That's not how this works. It's intentional. It's something you do on purpose. It's a part of this new life. And he says, clothe yourself with what? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. What? I don't, I'm not normally like that. I know. I'm very aware of that. I've seen your Facebook post and I've seen you drive. You're not normally, you're not naturally like this. I didn't say it was natural. I said you would put it on. Has anybody ever, ever had to wear clothes that they felt was uncomfortable? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
whenever I do weddings and funerals, I have to put on a suit. And I normally feel uncomfortable. I feel more comfortable in jeans and a t-shirt. Um, but but you, put, you put things on. And you know, but here's the deal. I put them on because I have to. Right? It's like, okay, you're a grown-up, Todd. Get over yourself. It's not a clip-on. Learn how to tie a tie and put on the doggone suit. And what you have to do is, is sometimes you have to force yourself to wear something that's not comfortable. But you know this about life. If you wear it long enough, it eventually becomes comfortable. You're like, no, no, I know this suit. This is how it And it fits better the more that you put it on. He's saying intentionally clothe yourself. And watch this. Verse 13 says, bear with each other. Do you know why? Because people are difficult. The Apostle Paul is not unaware that people are difficult. The Apostle Paul is not preaching some euphoric idea that everybody's wonderful and everybody's going to get along and it'll be majestic and wonderful and it'll be like, you know, no, 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 no. He goes, no, no, you're going to have to bear with people because people are difficult. Then watch this. He goes, and forgive one another. You know why you need to forgive people? Because they're going to hurt you. We're not living in a fantasy land. You're going to have to bear with people and you're going to have to forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone and, 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 watch this, forgive as the Lord forgave you. He goes, in here is a new self. In here we do things differently. In here we wear a different set of clothing. And it has nothing to do with how religious you look. It is putting on compassion and kindness and patience and generosity. That's what it looks like. But he says this, he goes, I want you to see this. I want you to forgive, like forgiveness is a part of what you put on. And our bitterness is something in us that needs to die. And he goes, I want you to forgive even as the Lord has forgiven you. Now, let me tell you how the Lord has forgiven you. There's this, there's this scripture in the book of Jeremiah that says it like this. It says, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. It doesn't mean that God fell out of his memory bank. It just means that he doesn't hold your sins against you. Now, interestingly enough, I read a story about when missionaries first went to northern Alaska, that they learned the language of the Eskimos. And when they were starting to translate the scriptures and trying to, 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 to help these people understand the gospel, when they got to the word forgiveness, they learned that there was no equivalent in the Eskimo language for the word forgive. So they kept trying to figure out what would they do. Because you got to remember, as a missionary, you go, you learn their language, you go meet them where they're at, and then you try to help them know Christ through the gospel. And so they were like trying to figure it out. So they came across a word, and the word was not being able to think about it anymore. They had a word that meant that. Not being able to think about it anymore. And they're like, that's the best we got. But think about how the Lord forgave you. The Bible says that he would forgive your iniquity and remember your sins no more. That's how God forgives you. Doesn't hold it against you. He goes, now I know this is hard. And if it's hard, it's because something in you needs to die. And if it's, if, it, if it's not starting to come naturally to you, it's because you're not clothing yourself enough. Now, there's a different way. Because remember, everybody say old self. Everybody say new self. There's two different ways we can go at this. Because sometimes people do you wrong. And the most natural earthly thing that your old self would do would be what? Revenge. Because revenge feels wonderful to the earthly self. It feels amazing. I read the most fascinating story. This is a true story about a man, this is recent, who won $125 million in the lottery. I won't give you his full name just to be nice, but his name was Brian. He's a 54-year-old man. And so what he did was, upon winning $125 million in this lottery win that he gets, he quit his job, but he immediately, the first thing he did was he went out and found a manure company. And he bought $224,000 dollars worth of manure which equaled what was it how many tons was it it's 10,000 tons no 20,000 tons 
And he had it delivered. Now, he said it was for him, but he had it delivered to his former boss's front yard. And he was across the street smiling. The guy comes out, calls the cops, stops. So there's 20, there's supposed to be like 20, they got half of it on the lawn. And the guy's across, Brian's across the street laughing. The guy calls the police. He's like, fine, I'll pay the fine. I'll do whatever. It was worth it. And they said, why? The news was asking him why he did it. He goes, man, I worked for that guy for 20 years and he dumped crap on me year after year after year. And I thought the best thing I can do is I'm going to dump crap on him. (laughs) If revenge is your go-to move, something in you needs to die. And there is something in you that is not quite alive yet. There is an old self and there is a new self. And so anyway, this this is the life that Paul is trying to show us. He goes, forgive as the Lord forgave you, verse 14. And there's more. I'm going to keep going. And over all these virtues that I just mentioned, put on love, which actually just is like a big bow that binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Okay, thanks. If everything you just asked me to do wasn't hard enough, you want me to be at peace and be grateful as I do it. This is the new self. But again, the old self, there's something in you that needs to die. And there's something in you that, and this is ongoing, this is per constant, this is, this is something, again, let's put it like this. Putting to death your sinful nature is ongoing and intentional. It will not happen by accident, and so is putting on Christ. It is something that you, and this is the new life that Paul gives. He goes, there's an old you, but it needs to die. And there's a new you. And it'll be weird in the beginning, but if you'll put on Christ, you'll actually enter into this new life where you change the way that you live. You change the way that you think. You change the way that you see people. You change the way that you live and see the world around you. Everything will begin to change as you put to death this old you and begin to live this new life in Christ. What would that look like? Let me ask you a question here. Everybody bow your head and close your eyes. What would that look like? What do you think about your family? What would that look like if in you... All those old things began to die. Hey, what, what would it look like on your job if every morning you put on Christ before you went to work? What if, wait, what, what if in your marriage, the next time the argument gets a little heated, what if I said, hey, go ahead and kill that thing before you open your mouth again? Let that thing die. It will fight you. It doesn't want to die. It will take some effort on your part. It may take time. It will not be easy. But if you'll do it, you'll experience this whole new way of living life. You'll experience this whole new world. What would your life look like if you were able to put on Christ and experience his life? Because that's what the Apostle Paul said. Your life is now actually hidden with Christ in God. It's a whole new way. Now, everybody look up at me real quick here. I was gonna, you, you thought I was going to pray and I tricked you, but I'm, we're not praying. So, so there's this, there's this thing, because I, I know the question is like, okay, well, how do I do this? Again, there's an intentional, there's an ongoing, but the, he, he actually gives you a secret in the very first verse. Can I read this verse again for you? He gives you a secret, and then we're going to do it today. So if you go back to the very beginning, Colossians chapter one, verse, or, or Colossians three, verse one, it says this, since then you have been raised with Christ. Remember that first verse we read today? Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. You know the thing he gives away in the very beginning is he gives away the secret. 
You know how you do this? You have to set your heart. You have to set your mind. You have to do this daily, ongoing. You, you have to set your heart. God, what is in my heart? I found greed in my heart, and I don't want that to be there. God, I found pride in my heart, and I don't want that to be there. God, I found lust in my heart, and I don't want that to be there. So I'm going to set my heart. God, I found my mind going towards bitterness. I found my mind being so negative and so judgmental and so critical, and I don't want it. That's the old me, and I'd like that thing to die. Would you please give me the strength to kill that thing? And I want to discover a new life in you. So I need to set my heart. And I need to set my mind. Now, we're going to do that right now. As a matter of fact, ushers, if you want to help me with this, we're going to do that right now. Because one of the ways that I think, again, that Paul was talking, he was not talking in these black and white kind of terms, in these absolute kind of terms. The apostle Paul was talking in these kind of experiential terms, wasn't he? He was saying, I want you to, you died, but put it to death. And you found new life in Christ. And you're actually hidden with Christ in God. But I need you to renew and put on. He's, he's talking about term. He's talking more experiential. And so I need you to experience God. And one of the ways that we do that, the one of the ways that we set our hearts and set our minds is through Holy Communion. Where we set our heart and we set our mind on Christ. What if every morning you began with prayer? What if every morning you began setting your heart and setting your mind in prayer? What if every morning you started with the cup and the bread and said, God, I thank you that this bread was broken. Your body was broken for me. I thank you that this cup represents simply the blood that was shed so that I might have forgiveness of sin. What if every morning you set your heart and you set your mind? And so right now they're passing communion elements. And if you're a Christ follower, I invite you to join. If you feel like you don't know what's going on and you just want to observe, that's fine too. But this is something that we do as Christ followers. It's one of these kind of rituals, if you want to call it that, that we do, where we remember, we set our heart and we set our mind. And what we set our heart and mind on is this, is that his body was broken and his blood was shed so that I might be right with God, so that I might have communion with God, so that I might be close to God so that I could be forgiven and have new life in him. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to hold those communion elements. The team is going to worship. They're going to lead us in this song and play. And what I want you to do is have a personal moment on your own. And when you're ready, I want you to go ahead and receive communion on your own. We're going to worship the Lord. And then I'll come back in just a few minutes. Let me pray for you this morning. Bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to declare to you today that you have died and your life is now raised with Christ. You actually have this life that is somehow tucked away and hidden in Christ with God. In light of that, go and live a life putting to death things that don't belong in your heart and live a life every morning putting on Christ so that you may experience his abundant life. Lord, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. Amen. Yeah, give Lord a big hand clap this morning. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.